feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. America and New York are at a breaking point, everybody. Some stunning numbers coming just a little bit ago from New York City Mayor Eric Adams. As we know, many migrants have been coming to New York. A lot of them have been bust. A lot of them have been coming because they want to come to New York after they have crossed the border illegally. And so when you look at all of that and put it together, there has been now a total, they believe, of up to 65,000 of the migrants coming to New York, basically in the last few months alone. That is a stunning number. And if you thought that New York giving sort of a typical example of many cities across the country, is at a breaking point. Wait till you hear this one. First of all, New York in sales tax. The head of New York, the comptroller, the the money guy of New York, basically came out the other day and said that sales taxes down the first quarter of this year by 40%, 39.999%, basically. Close to 40%, they are down in New York. And guess that why? That's because people are fleeing New York. They don't want to necessarily live in a city that is ridden with crime, ridden with taxes, and now they are overflowing and busting at the seams with migrants. Because just a little bit ago, New York City Mayor Eric Adams made this stunning admission about how half, half of all the New York City hotel rooms are now being used by migrants. That is an amazing number. There are estimates in terms of how many hotel rooms there are in New York, anywhere from 120 to maybe 140,000 plus hotel rooms in New York City. Think about it. It's, you know, the biggest city in the world. Everybody comes. Everybody visits. It's the crossroad of the world. And they want to overlook Times Square. And they over want to look, you know, South Street Seaport. They want to see a lot of fabulous things that New York City is known for. And now New York City is known for being migrant central. And think about the damage that that is doing, not only to the fact that there are so many numbers that they have to put them in so many hotels in New York. That's one. But think about, first off, that means there's basically no more room at the inn, that they are busting at the seams. And that's why Eric Adams says, at least short term, guess what? They're going to have to put them short term in gyms tied to elementary and pre-K schools. That's why he's saying we have no choice but to put them in schools. First of all, I contend there's a lot of other places you could be putting migrants than putting them in any sort of schools. That's not the place to be putting migrants. Don't you agree that putting them in gyms next to pre-K and elementary is a formula for disaster? It is mostly adult males. And the mayor is saying we're going to put like a police officer, a security guard to basically block the migrants so they can't necessarily cross over from the gym into the elementary school. That to me is downright dangerous. It is unbelievable. 
unbelievable, and it is an insane proposition. I contend we need to put them somewhere else. Uh, John Katsimatidis, my great co-host and, of course, owner-operator of Red Apple Media, he brought up this suggestion, and I think it's a great one. Put them in Rikers. Clear out Rikers. Take the door off the jail cells. There are tens of thousands of rooms you could create. Make it more hospitable. But there's a location. Put them there. They'll be isolated, and you can put them all in one location as opposed to putting them in 50% of the New York City hotel rooms. Think about what that's doing, A, to the economy. Think about what that's doing for the few people who are coming to New York City these days who are saying, you know, I'd like to come here for a nice little time with my family and bring in my daughter and son and come visit. I'm coming from wherever it is across America. And maybe it's their first trip to New York. Would you want right down the hall the migrants down the hall who have not been vetted for criminal records? They haven't been vetted for health issues, too. They haven't been vetted for anything. And now they're suddenly being plopped in a hotel, and they're right down the hall from you and your family who are visiting from San Francisco or Seattle or Atlanta or wherever you're visiting from Memphis. And guess what? Now suddenly you're like, maybe this isn't really a safe place to be. So not only are you making schools unsafe by putting migrants in the gym, you are also making hotel rooms unsafe, and you're making the areas around hotels unsafe. And in addition to that, the Roosevelt Hotel, which is kind of a storied hotel in Midtown, right by J.P. Morgan, uh, big business, brings in a lot of money to New York City. Guess what they're doing there? They're basically going to fill 850 rooms at the Roosevelt Hotel with illegal migrants, again, all paid for by New York City taxpayers. And the bill, again, is over $5 million a day. Taxpayers are paying the bill. This is stunning. Are we well beyond a breaking point? And can New York and other great cities ever come back if you are indeed going to put them, you know, migrants in gyms of schools? And you'll wonder why parents tonight, there are parents shouting all over New York City especially in places like Brooklyn and Staten Island and elsewhere, where they are being placed in these gyms, uh, even if it's temporary, according to Eric Adams. You know, guess what? That is a formula for disaster. And there are parents tonight who are protesting, who have pulled their kids out. There's one school where several hundred kids have been pulled out in Brooklyn because the parents are saying, no way am I going to put my child in danger. Just the remote chance of having somebody next door, uh, no matter who it is, no matter what country they came from, we don't know their criminal background. We don't know what they've done in their home country because there's no way to check them. And we're going to put them next door to my child? No way. 1-800-848-9222. one 848 Here is Mayor Eric Adams making the announcement that dropped so many jaws today. Just note that I just got almost half of all hotel rooms now are taken up by asylum seekers. Think about that. You know, this is so, I'm not sure what it's going to take before people hear what I am saying that, uh, you know, we're going to wait until we're too far gone. This is what we were trying to prevent. We were trying to prevent this. And now we're here 
And I'm happy to see that everyone appears to be saying, okay, there's a real issue here. Uh, We get it that it's a real issue here. Obviously, there's a lot of things that could have avoided this moment. There are so many things that could have been done differently. And I don't know how you ever turn back because who wants to come to New York and who wants to bring it, whether you're living here and who wants to also come as a tourist to stay in a random hotel. And the next thing you know, uh, it is a whole bunch of migrants on your floor or on the elevator and you just don't know what is going to happen. And listen, there are a lot of people that come to this country. They come because they appreciate what America is. They come because they want a better life. I never begrudge anybody for coming to America. It is the greatest country in the world. And I will always say that. You all know my father was rescued by American troops. And when he saw American troops, he thought it was a mirage. America represents freedom and it represents the best of all of us. And New York City is an amazing city. I love it. I was born in Brooklyn. I love New York City. So when I hear what is happening, it is breaking my heart. 100%. It is just unbelievable that we are now dealing with what is an astronomical crisis. And we're at the point right now where how do you turn that around? The buses are not going to stop coming. The buses are going to continue to flow and flow and flow. And here is a little bit more about what lies ahead for New York. And so I just really need everybody, particularly our leaders, you know, a, a you know, we just someone, a city council person said the other day that y'all just manufacturing this crisis. Uh, you know, I mean, this just needs to be a real reality check. <laughs> you know, that this is a real issue that could potentially harm this entire city. Yeah, and it could potentially harm this entire country. Let's not just limit it to New York City, because this is a crisis for the country. And this president needs to start, first of all, leaking the holes at the border and start sending people back. I mean, this is an unsustainable crisis on so many levels. Financially, security, there are so many levels. Have them come. Have them vetted. This is the land of opportunity, but make sure we have people who have been cleared and have been vetted and are not just thrown in random hotels and random elementary school gyms across this country and for starters in New York City. Wow. And guess what? Here is Mayor Eric Adams also saying the buses are going to keep coming. They're going to keep coming and coming. Take a listen. We believe we're going to get uh, anywhere from 13 to 15 buses in the next day or so. So each time folks come in, we have to immediately address the issue. And so in order to address an onslaught, you have to have places you can put people as you normalize and figure it out. So we've meet, we reached out to our hotels. We reached out to our hotels. Many of them are saying, we don't want to get into the shelter business. Uh, many of them are going to price points that is just too hard for taxpayers to pay. Uh, many of them are not suitable for uh, ho- um, housing uh, migrants. Wow. But yet, somehow 50% of them are completely full. 
50% of New York City hotel rooms full of migrants. And here are also some stunning numbers that the mayor released just a little bit ago of how many of these migrants have come to New York just in the last seven days. Wait till you hear this one. We got 4,200 people last week came to our city for shelter. Just, I need everybody to wrap their heads around that for a moment. 4,200 people showed up in our city in one week with the already 65,000 that was here already and saying we need full care and shelter. Then we have 900 people a few days ago that came in one day. One day, 900 people. We've never seen numbers like this. So how long can New York City and how long can America sustain it? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And we will take your calls when we come back. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And boy, is New York City in for a real ride. Now, Eric Adams, the mayor, announces half of all hotel rooms are being used by asylum seekers. That means 60 or 70,000 or more hotel rooms in New York City, prime real estate. Guess what? They are now being taken over by migrants. And you and me, every single taxpayer, is paying for this. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, uh, Let's go to Robert in Suffolk, line seven. Robert, your thoughts about this, the migrants in the hotels and the schools. Hi, Rita. This is very dangerous because the culture in Latino is very macho man. Well, it's not very macho man. When they go after young girls to be the first one, that's in their culture. Well, also Robert, well, girls. Robert, I, I'm not sure about that, but I let let me let me like separate the whole Latino thing. Uh, by the way, I lived in Spain, um, but you know, and I have a lot of Latino friends. I'm not sure about the that, but let's just forget even the Latino or whatever. You've got migrants. You have individuals who may have a criminal record. Like you said, I do believe that there will be sexual predators, no matter what country they came from. Because guess what? The migrants are not just coming from Latin countries, Robert. Um, Some of them are coming from Afghanistan. They're coming from China. In fact, there were six that were just arrested over the weekend that were on the terror watch list. One from Afghanistan, five from Pakistan. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of it doesn't matter the the nationality, uh, but there are some bad hombres, put it that way, in the group. Um, But real quick, what are your concerns? Obviously, it is a scary premise. Adult males in a gym next to elementary schools. Um, You know, I I do worry for the kids and, and I worry for a lot of reasons. I mean, having people who have just not been checked. Um, you don't know. There's probably a lot of good people in there, too. There's probably many good people, but you don't want one bad person. Real quick, Robert, your thoughts. Yes. yes. Uh, also, in the jails. If they're put in a jail, 
They're going to want to empty out the jail. I've heard this already. They want to let the criminals out to put the migrants in. Well, that's a scary premise. We don't want that. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. And you know what's so sad, Robert? In New York, you're right. Alvin Bragg and some others would probably love to you know, clear out the jails entirely. Uh, but then they probably wouldn't put the migrants in there. The reason I don't think they would put the migrants in a jail is it would give them the impression, it would give the world the impression that they're putting them in a jail and that they're punishing them or that they're putting them, um, you know, one of the things we were talking about earlier on the 5 o'clock show, which I host with John uh, on Cats and Cosby, we played the song, uh, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. You know, when you promise people, you know, if you come to America and if you're vetted, you know, you're, it's a land of opportunity. But we never said, we're going to give you housing. We're never going to, we didn't say we're going to give you a, a, at least a hotel room and room service and free this and free that. Um, so I actually think the idea of putting them in Rikers is a brilliant idea. And any jail facility, a facility, I think Rikers is because it's big, it's isolated, and it's large enough to house all of the different migrants so far that have come in. The problem is uh, you don't want to put them anywhere, Robert, by the way, where they'd have to empty anybody out because we want to keep the bad folks there. I think, you know, it was funny. We talked with Rudy Giuliani earlier today, too, also, and Rudy was saying that Rikers is so big. He's been there many times, you know, uh, visiting inmates, um, you know, of course, as mayor and, and as, you know, a prosecutor and so forth. And he was saying that there's it's big enough that you could put them in one location um, and there's a lot of empty space. And then just have the migrants in a whole separate location. So they're separated. So you're not like combining them either because you don't want that either. But, uh, Robert, it's such a sad situation and such a disaster for the city and I think for the world in so many, many different ways. Uh, Phil, let's go to you. Line five. Phil, your thoughts. Hey, Phil, are you there? Phil, call yes, us. Hey, Phil. Hey, Phil, come on back. What are you doing? You, you, yeah, you, I'm right here. I'm right here. I, right. Had, I had trouble with the phone. Go all ahead. right, Phil. Well, yeah, we I'm love here. you. That was a big start. So come on. Hurry up and get to the point. We love you. Okay. The, the issue is here. Uh, what I'm trying to say is very simple. You got all these people in hotels. You say 50% of the hotels. What we need is some brave, non-cowardly, open-eyed New Yorkers to go down there in a large group and block the hotel, boycott the hotel, picket it to the point where nobody can come and go. And let's make it let's make it on a news item and let's get the police there. What are the police going to do? People standing there around. I mean, what are they going to do? Arrest everybody, but they won't arrest the migrants. That's an interesting philosophy, although, look, if the city is putting them up in a hotel, this is a much bigger issue, Phil. What we need to really do is have better protection at the border and I don't understand why people aren't picketing outside of the White House, quite frankly, because they're the ones who have allowed this entire process to start. And I wish more Democrats would speak up. I'm glad, you know, that Eric Adams and other people are telling, you know, the White House, OK, it's time. You know, where are you on the migrant issue? Where are you also, especially on funds, all those things? They are saying that. But I'd love to see Democrats coming together and speaking and saying, Mr. President, this is, we love our country. This is a disaster for our country and a disaster for our city. That's where the protest should be. And boy, it should be coming, not for, it shouldn't be a Republican or Democratic issue. It should be an American issue, Phil. What about that? But, but the problem is, it's not the migrants are a problem, but the greater problem 
is that the citizens of this city, black, white, Hispanic, male, female, young and old, they're cowards. They won't do anything about it. You've got to get out there in large groups. You've got to get out there and boycott these places. You've got to stand 5,000 strong in front of Mayor, Mayor who knows what, Adams, his, his, his offices, and you've got to scream blue bloody murder all day long until the guy finally admits to doing something about it. I, well, and listen, I hear you on that, but I also think much of the problem starts still at the border, and it certainly starts at the White House. That is for sure. The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, where we honor our great law enforcement and their families. By the way, it is National Police Week this week, and we love and appreciate all of you men and women in blue. We are thinking of you every single day, and that's why I love doing this Back the Blue segment every night here on The Rita Cosby Show. This is a powerful story coming from Kansas City, Missouri, where a day of watching the Royals baseball team at Kauffman Stadium nearly turned tragic just a few days ago until a Kansas City police officer stepped in to save the day. Officer Matt DeLoe took the day off on Thursday. He took his son to Kauffman Stadium for the Royals game. They joined thousands of other kids and their teachers at the game. And Deloy said that he stood in the parking lot during the lunch and found himself in the middle of what turned out to be an emergency. A child ran over and grabbed his arm, and at first Deloy thought that he was joking. He looked over and he noticed that the child was in distress and he wasn't making any noise. So Deloy said as soon as he realized that the child wasn't joking, he immediately stepped in to help. He said he wanted to avoid the Heimlich maneuver because he feared that would injure the child. Instead, Deloy said he put his arm around the boy's diaphragm, bent him over, and hit his back. I just bent him over. I gave him a few hard taps, and I put my arm across his diaphragm to kind of aid and give him the extra force. Deloy said that it took just about a minute to dislodge a chocolate bar that was stuck in the child's throat. He said, uh, I was just trying to do whatever I can, and that's why he ran over to me. He said, I looked professional. I just happened to be in the crowd because he was not wearing his uniform. And Deloy said that, look, no one likes bad things to happen, especially when it's kids and innocent. And I was nice. It was nice that I was able to help him and help him at that dire moment. And the police chief there of Kansas City said this of Deloy. He's an officer and off duty at that time who sees someone in distress and he still acts. You don't have to have a uniform on to act and to help someone. And that's what he definitely did. What a beautiful story of just an officer there at the right moment, at the right time, even off-duty, because our law enforcement are never off-duty. They are always there, ready to serve, and that's why we love honoring them here on The Rita Cosby Show. Well, we know, according to New York City, they're planning on putting an officer or a security guard in one of these gyms, in each of the gyms, to separate the school gyms from the rest of the school, because now they are putting migrants at least potentially up to 20 different schools in New York City, including some in Brooklyn, where parents and students have been out protesting now for a couple days. They are furious. 
parents and students are saying, this is not safe. This is the definition of lunacy. Why would they want to have migrants who have not been vetted? We don't know their criminal past. We don't know anything about them. We don't know also their health history. And suddenly you're going to put a huge group of migrants in a gym that's adjacent to a potential preschool, potential elementary school, could be pre-K, elementary. They're going all the way up to high school. But can you imagine This is just a formula for disaster. And there's a lot of adult males that are predominantly in this group of migrants that are coming into America. This is downright dangerous. And parents are just furious. So many of them have already pulled their kids out of a number of these schools, knowing that migrants could be there or could potentially be there. Just on the threat of it, they're saying, forget it. We do not want my kids to be exposed to who knows who. We don't know their history. They came from different countries all over the world. And again, I don't begrudge the migrants for wanting to come to this country. It is the best country in the world. But we also have to be careful and vet them and clear them and know who is in this country. And it's gotten so bad that the New York City mayor is now saying half of the hotel rooms basically in New York City are filled with migrants. So that's killing the hotels even though some of them are, they're obviously getting paid from the city and I'm sure they're happy they're getting paid on that. But who else wants to go to a hotel if you know the rest of the hotel is filled with migrants? You don't know who's down the hall from you. You're going to bring your family in if you're visiting from out of town, if you're doing a staycation in New York City and want to stay at a hotel and you don't know who's in the elevator, you don't know who's going down the hall, maybe in the bathroom down the hall. You don't know. This is really downright dangerous, and I think it's downright reckless. And it's also showing that we are at a boiling point for security and financially because the price tab is $5 million a day at least. How can we sustain this? How can any city in America sustain this? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And here's a little bit more from Mayor Eric Adams talking about hotel rooms, saying he's not over yet. There may be many more that will be used for migrants. Why are hotels still not an option to house migrants? And, you know, why is the city considering Rikers and school gyms as opposed to what you guys have traditionally done so far, which is to, you know, use hotels to house the migrants? Okay, first, um, uh, you say we're considering Rikers. Uh, As I stated that, you know, when we decide where we're going to go, we're going to go, and we're going to let you know. So I, I, we shouldn't speculate what we're considering other than everything is being considered. And here is one of the parents from Brooklyn talking about the migrants in the school gym. I think it's a bad situation all around. It's not good for the migrants. It's not good for our school here. They don't have IDs. How are they going to go in without not even a background check or what's even their last name? Yeah, you don't even know their last name. You don't know their country. You don't know anything about them. And here is another parent saying they feel used. There's all these places they can put them. So they're using children as a political statement to house people where they can put them somewhere else. And another parent has a suggestion where maybe the migrants should go. What about the home of the mayor? They got to think about the safety of the children. And also, the immigrants that's coming here, the safety of them too. Give them your home, Mayor Adams. Open Gracie Mansion, You give them your home. Wow, give them your home, Eric Adams. P. 
People are downright frustrated. And you heard about Rikers Island. Why not Rikers Island? Big location, lots of rooms, take off the doors, have it organized. Again, we didn't promise you a rose garden. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joe, line four. Joe, your thoughts about the migrants. Freedom, my love, this is completely out of control. Eric Adams was a juvenile delinquent and a crooked cop. And even as a crooked cop, he should know. Joe, Joe, please stay focused on stay focused on the migrants. Go ahead, Joe. I am. Because he, even as a cop. A stay cop focused cop on the migrants, Joe, please. All right. That he that he knows uh, that he knows that these people, good people and good, bad people. But the bottom line is polio. COVID-19, Corona, no. 19. Tuberculosis. They're not screened for this. You understand? They should put them in Rikers, the men in Rikers. Protect the children. And the Catholic Charities, St. Vincent de Paul, Archdiocese of New York, Goodwill, Salvation Army are the biggest private landowners in the state. They have millions of acres and hundreds of thousands of empty buildings. Volunteers will come down to clean up the buildings and put petitions in for the women and the children. Put the men in Rikers where they are isolated from everyone else and vet them. But the bottom line is this. This is complete insanity. It's going to go down to freezing tonight. Think of the American veterans and the homeless families out in the elements tonight while illegal invaders are given hotel rooms at $200, $300 a night, and, and they put the Hotel Pennsylvania out of business when Creep Coleman de Blasio, the scummio, put the uh, criminals out early with, and put them in those hotels. Well, and by the and by the way, Joe, you brought up a, a powerful point too about the veterans because in Orange County, New York, uh, we know at least one hotel uh, got a little bit more money for housing the migrants. So they said to the veterans, "See ya." Uh, and that hotel, I hope, doesn't have customers again. To me, that was outrageous. Um, And I'm glad that there's been so much attention about that particular case. And you're right, it's probably happening much more frequently. So many of these shelters across the country are filling up to capacity. There's no room. Uh, And a lot of times those shelters are filled with homeless veterans and other Americans. And now there's no more, quote, room at the inn. And they're getting hotel rooms. They're getting, you know, uh, they're getting the room service. They're getting the cell phones. Um, I think about the case, I think it was at the Watson Hotel where they were throwing out food because they didn't like the food. It wasn't really the kind of food that they liked. And then remember when they wanted to put some more families in the Watson Hotel, the single male adults, so much for being, uh, you know, uh, sh- you know, uh, chivalry, if you will, they didn't want to leave. Remember? They were like, we're not going to give up our rooms to the women and kids. Uh, so much of compassion amongst migrants. That, that, what a bunch of ungrateful, whatever. I mean, those people, those ones who didn't want to give up the rooms, remember they staged the protest on the sidewalk outside the Watson Hotel. And then when reporters came and were asking them questions, they were like pushing reporters and throwing them. And then they didn't want to even talk to uh, the police. They finally had to be basically taken uh, out of there uh, almost at force because they wouldn't leave. Uh, it is just, the whole thing is such a, it is just so frightening, Joe, that we have no control of who's here and we have no way to check them. And guess what? They just kind of go off into different cities across the country, morph into the cities, and we will never know uh, who is here. We may never know for decades, you know, even longer to come. 
uh, the impact of what has happened uh, with these migrants coming in and the numbers, the sheer numbers. Over a million gotaways. Those are the ones who we have zero, don't even have a name or don't even have anything. And then the ones we have a name, we haven't even done any checks for. So, uh, you know, you might as well just say five, six million are in the country just in the last two years plus. This is a frightening situation. And and New York is a perfect example. It is busting at the seams financially and physically. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn, line three. Larry, your thoughts. Rita, why would you express why why would you expect chivalry to be a part of their culture any more than what Rob was trying to express about being the first one to de-virginize young girls. You know, it seems like you're more interested in protecting your show than protecting young girls. What if one of them gets raped? Larry, 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 you are, Larry, that is the most outrageous comment I think I've ever heard you say. And you've said some doozies, all right? First off, the only reason I say that is you make it sound like, uh, the way it was phrased, and it was said here, just in case someone didn't hear, they said basically, well, you know, Latins are looking for someone to uh, to basically uh, uh, de-virginize, right? I mean, you know, as if uh, like that's like their objective. Look, there's a lot of uh, people that are doing horrible things to young people. So believe me, as somebody here who has been an advocate for young children their entire life, Larry, as I have, uh, that that is completely inappropriate, your comment. Uh, What I'm trying to say is he was kind of, you know, stigmatizing, making it sound like Latins are going around looking to de-virginize young children. Uh, The people who, by the way, are crossing the border, they're from a million different countries. Literally, they're over 170 different countries. So they're not just Latins. And uh, a bad person is a bad person. It doesn't matter what the culture is. I don't care if they're, you know, whatever. But there are bad people and there are bad individuals and they are bad migrants that are coming through. There's a lot of good ones that are coming here to the country, too, because they want a better life. And I and I don't blame them, but I blame us for not vetting them and not checking. And unfortunately, uh, what he was saying about people potentially preying on young children, that is really scary. Um, and so so don't diminish that, Larry, but I will give you five more seconds. As outrageous as your comment was, go ahead. Well, I'll, I'll make two points, okay? If you can give, maybe give me six seconds after all the talking you did, okay? Yeah, well, because you said the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But go ahead, Larry. I will give you – I'll give you six seconds just because I like you, Larry. Calls. You should let them speak for themselves and not cut them off, number one. Number two, I'm reacting – to a call that was made to Dominic a couple of nights ago from somebody in Yonkers who had his nine-year-old girl, a friend of his, had his nine-year-old daughter whistle that as she went to school, okay? So stop pulling the wool over people's eyes. It's part of their culture. Larry, that is the most ridiculous thing. And first off, I give people time to talk. I give you way too much time to talk, and I'll be mindful of that in the future. Good night. Let's go to Jeff on line one. Hello, Lauren. How are you yeah, after that, Jeff? What are your thoughts now that Larry's well, now that Larry's castigated the whole Latin population? Because uh, and and by the way, I don't like. He just brought up. A, I guess there was a nine-year-old girl that had been whistled to. That's horrible. Obviously, we all yeah, think that's horrible. Every one of us here, you know, thinks it's horrible. He brought up Dominic. I'm sure Dominic thinks it's absolutely horrible too. It's clearly a well, bad was- thing. But but Larry just seems to like want to say that every Latin is preying on young children. And Larry needs to, you know, cut the booze. But go ahead. Well, in other countries, did not like you and I raised, my dear. But I'm not going to get into that. But when I was little, I used to walk a German Shepherd when I was a little kid in Yankees. My uncle's dog named Muggsy. And but, the um, point I is, want, Jeff? My point is, 
that uh, if you look at what this administration does, as well as Eric Adams, they're trying to hit everybody's nerve. So right now, why would they pick the veterans hotel? Like, why would they kick everybody out of the hotel that are veterans? Right? There's so many hotels. No, they went to the veterans. So that gets reported on. Now they got the mothers, right? They want, we're going to put the kids in the gyms. Come on. You, you could put the, you're going to pick the gyms out of over everything else. They're trying to create a powder keg. And then if you do react, look out. Don't, don't go to the schools January 6th, whatever they want to call it. I'm telling you, it's a, it don't, they're baiting a trap for everybody. Just love your brother. Wait, so, Jeff, hang on. Now. Let me go back to the first point before you got into the January 6thology, okay? On the first point, you brought up that what you think that it's like a master plan to, like, infuriate as many people as possible. I mean, the result, by the way, is correct because they are pissing off everybody. There is no doubt about that. They're infuriating everybody. So you're you're correct on that one. I don't know if it's an intentional plan, but it's clearly a poor plan. I mean, I, I will, I will, I'll definitely give you that. I'll definitely give you that. It is a poor plan and they are definitely infuriating so many people. Uh, it, it's just, uh, it is stunning that you would think about putting them next to, uh, you know, a school. Um, and as Larry talked about the one uh, thing that I will agree with Larry, it's abominable that somebody's whistling at a nine year old child. I don't know who it was, if it was a migrant or not, obviously completely inappropriate. And you certainly don't want individuals like that near kids. And you don't want just migrants who you don't know. Uh, I don't care what country they're from. It's a formula for disaster. And to your point, Jeff, veterans should not be kicked out. They should be getting priority front of the line. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, Larry has gotten us all fired up tonight. Good old Larry. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm uh, for a little voice of reason after Larry. Go ahead, Norm. <laughs> Thank you, Rita. Um, yeah, Please look, bring I, clarity I, to my show tonight, Norm, please. I, I'm trying to bring clarity. Yes, clarity. Uh, look, it's very frustrating. The, all this stuff is, is extremely frustrating and gets people to say things which I don't necessarily have the right thing to say. Okay, or, you know, uh, the, we're frustrated that we have this invasion. Uh, I believe they, they may be perfectly nice people, but I, I don't think that they that their reasons for for um, are coming here are valid. Okay, so I, I, because it's it's based on economic need, and that's not that's not a, re, a, a good enough reason for asylum. Uh, I think I think. And, they, and by the way, that is technically just as you said, Norm, uh, eloquently. Yeah. That is not. Uh, appropriate because they are supposed to come because of persecution, not because exactly. of economics. So you're right. Okay. I, and and it is right. it is illegal. I don't blame them right. for wanting to come to America. We all love it. Right. But but I blame us for uh, being a leaky sieve. And I mean, the Biden okay. and White House. Uh, for my own personal family, I can say that I had a cousin who came from Nazi occupied Austria. His name was Solomon. He came at the he tried to get into America. He went through Canada he somehow, you know, he, I don't know how legally he got into Canada, and he tried to come into America through the northern border, and uh, I tried to get into America, and they returned him. 
So there was a time, I mean, I've had it in, in my own personal family where a person who tried to get into the United States illegally and, uh, and uh, was returned. So, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, Rita, are you there? Yes, I am. You know, I'm amazed. Oh, I'm you know sorry, what I'm, No, no, no. You know what I'm thinking about, Norm, too, is your point about um, that he was returned. I know other individuals who were returned that came from great countries that are huge allies of America mm-hmm. and went through true persecution, like you said, uh, your cousin as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know what I'm thinking of, Norm, too, is that how uh, we are still having trouble getting our allies who helped us in Afghanistan. Think about that, mm-hmm. Norm. You, you know, your, Sol- your cousin Solomon, um, mm-hmm. obviously a good person and fleeing, you know, communism, all that stuff, understandable. Mm-hmm. But you look at you look at the... Um, the fact that there are allies who were helping us in Afghanistan. And when Joe Biden did his unceremonious sudden departure of Afghanistan, leaving Americans behind, he left so many allies behind that were supporters of ours that literally risked their lives and their families' lives. And they're being executed by the Taliban right now because if you cooperated or helped the Americans, uh, you're not a good person uh, based on the Taliban. And so we literally left them behind. They've been trying to, many of them, still get into the United States legally, you know, getting a visa, getting them here. There are still groups. I have a friend who is sort of on the forefront of one of those groups. He has literally a list of over like 10,000 people that he's trying to get into the United States, that he's having hitting all these roadblocks. These are people, if, if those shouldn't be at the front of the line, uh, I don't know who is, Norm, and yet... What they should do, and I'm being facetious, just come through the southern border. They'd get in just fine. But, no, they're doing it the right way, and they're still stuck in Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. How messed up is our world, Norm? Go ahead. It's it's messed up, and it's, 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 just, it's very frustrating now, Rita, because we just don't know what to do. I mean, you talk about it on Cats and Cosby, and we talk about it here. But it's, it's ultimately, what can we do? We're seeing we're – seeing, um, the destruction of the United States. I mean, that, that's what we're seeing, and we don't know what to do. I mean, according to according to Phil, we have to get five thousand people and go. I, listen, I, I'm there, but I'm not seeing the massive rallies. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm there. You know, I mean, there was some there was some rallying in front of the schools, and that's good. But the vast majority of those people, you know, elections have consequences. You know, and, I, and, and, I, and I'm looking at these people, and, and I, I'm sure most of those people voted for Biden or didn't vote. And so, you know, I just it's it's a very frustrating time in America right now. I mean, I'm, listen, I I I am. Uh, this is it. Uh, I've kind of come to the to the end here, and I'm really thinking this is. This is the summer where I'm going to get the hell out of here. Now, when I mean get the hell out of here, it may be, it may be Florida and it may be Europe because I have a European passport, too. Norm, I- you got to stay. We need good people in New York like you. We need you. And you're right. I would like to see more protests outside the White House. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
And later on this hour on The Rita Cosby Show, we are going to talk about the very latest in the case against the Marine, Daniel Penny, who put Jordan Neely in a chokehold on a New York City subway. And the very latest in his case and latest developments. A lot of people are now coming to the Marine side and voicing support for him on a whole bunch of different levels. And the latest one is Elizabeth Gomez. Elizabeth was slammed against the wall, thrown to the ground. This happened uh, at the Howard Beach JFK airport train and subway station. And it happened in the morning of September 20th. Uh, It happened around like 5.30 in the morning. And it was a guy, Waheed Foster, 41 years old, mental illness, criminal track record. And suddenly he just attacked her. Uh, unmercilessly. I mean, you think about just the beatdown. We all saw it on videotape. It was absolutely horrible. He just was over and over again, just randomly pushed this woman. She's an airport employee and beat her. Uh, She lost an eye. She lost vision in one of her eyes as a result. And now in the last day or so, she has been commenting about the case against Daniel Penny and what happened, of course, on the New York City subway. That's the guy, the Marine again, who put Jordan Neely in a chokehold, and Jordan Neely soon after died. And she's saying, gosh, I wish I had had a good Samaritan at the time of the beatdown that she randomly and suddenly experienced. Take a listen to what she said about the new case. He just wanted to damage me because he damaged me. Mm. He damaged my life. I would never be the same again. I'm not that person that I was seven months ago. And if I had somebody like mm. Penny around, maybe things would have been different. I probably wouldn't have suffered so much pain and suffering and these things that I go through. I have so much self less confidence about myself every single day, you know, that I'll wake up and I look at the mirror and I replay this image of what of what happened to me. You know, and I would never want nobody to have to go through that, to feel that every day of their life when they look at themselves in the mirror. It's not like if it's Mm. a scar I could hide. It's on my face. I look at my face every single day from the moment I wake up and wash it. I remember this, what happened to me. And she further said, boy, it would have been great if a Marine like Daniel Penny had been there that morning. Listen. I mean, I could have only imagined what Mr. Penny felt, because that's the fear that I felt. It's just that I didn't know no kind of tactic or how to help myself, you understand? But I could imagine how he felt hearing somebody talking like that. You know, it's a fearful thing because it's happening every day, and we can't really rely on the police officers. It takes them a while to come. I got a 10-minute beatdown, and it still took the police about 15 to 20 minutes before they actually came to my help. So imagine what could have happened between that time if somebody didn't show up or if he didn't feel like that was good enough, like he felt good about himself after he walked away. You know, it's sad that he actually even got time to walk away. Yeah, and you see in the case of Elizabeth Gomez, the guy just kind of casually walks away. At one point, it looked like another rider tried to intervene, and then the crazy guy went after him. And then he just kind of ran away. And then he goes back to Elizabeth Gomez, who's on the ground, and he continues beating her, kicking her, punching her. It is so brutal and so horrible to watch. And here it is months later, and she's still, she's missing an eye. She cannot see out of her eye. And meantime, we're going to be talking about that later on in the show because 
There's a lesson to be learned. There are a lot of subway attack victims today who have come forward. And sadly, there's a lot of them on New York City subways. And they have been coming forward and saying, you know what? We need to respect people who tried to step in, who tried to do the best they could. And many of them had wished they had had a Marine on the subway car or in the subway station. And then maybe they would not have suffered such damage. Even family members who have lost loved ones have come out and said, this is preposterous. They are defending Daniel Penny and saying, thank goodness somebody stepped up. Because in the case of their loved one, their loved one died because of a crazy person who just snapped on the subway and stabbed him. Uh, One family came out and said, we support Daniel Penny. This cannot happen again, and we need more police. There are so many lessons from that. We're going to talk about that later on in the hour. Meantime, we are talking, of course, about the migrant situation with the stunning news that Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, announcing half of the hotel rooms in New York City are now filled with migrants and more and more are coming. And parents are also so livid because they put out a list today of about 400 locations. Eric Adams had a list, said there are about 400 locations around the city where we could potentially put these migrants in. And on the list was 20 schools, gyms of 20 schools, many of them active schools, and some of them, again, pre-K and elementary schools. So parents are saying, enough. They are pulling their kids out of classes. And a number of them, by the way, I was seeing today, a number of them were African-Americans, who are out there saying, what is going on? Why are we getting treated this way? Uh, They're in some districts where um, different finances, and they feel like they're being pushed aside, that suddenly migrants are getting priorities over Americans. This shouldn't be happening in our country. Listen to what the parents were chanting today, just a few hours ago. Safety is first. Safety is first. And then they also chanted a couple other things, too. You heard it there. That was safety is first. And here's some more from the protest by parents and kids. No shelters on school grounds. No shelters on school grounds. No shelters on school yard. No shelters on school yard. No shelters on school yard. You can even hear the little voices in there. It's like students, no shelters on school yards. Like, please don't put them here. That's incredible to me. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tony in New Jersey, line seven. Go ahead, Tony, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. So, you know, I was thinking about how we stop all this today. And and I heard a few things, and I heard Mexico twice, and it kind of clicked. And, and I'll tell you where I heard it first. I was looking on listening to Katz and Cosby, and you had the border um, person speaking about the border, and he said something today, like he suspected there was a payoff with Mexico um, and the U.S. Do you remember him saying that? I do. It was Todd Benzeman, and he is an author and reporter, and he was on the border there in Matamoros, Mexico. Absolutely. Okay, so then I put another piece together because I was listening to James Comer, and it was also in the New York Post, that he's in in the investigation of the Biden crime family. Because don't forget, we have a very corrupt president. And he's not just corrupt, he's basically a traitor if all this 
comes out in the wash. Let's put it that way. So what he's done is so far we know he's sold our policy. Um, we have to prove all this, of course. That's why they're investigating it. But with Mexico, Comer is now looking at Mexico, too, for sources for those LLCs that the Bidens have. So to me, Rita, what I see, I see the border as a very big piece of the Biden program where his he's filling out American policy, if that's true. He's selling our border. And in exchange, like you said, it used to be that not everyone can even get here. And now there's some kind of an agreement somewhere with someone. And this is what has to be discovered. When we don't have a press that looks into things the way they did years ago. We just have James Comer and we have uh, Jim Jordan working on this fast and furiously, working very hard. But somewhere there's a trail of you know, agreements where we're going to let so many Mexicans in for money. And I wouldn't have thought of this border money thing until I started to see about the Biden LLCs and other countries in selling policy. This is really, you know, scary to me. And as a result, the net effect to America is that we we are we are losing Americans like we had someone on the show that just said, you know, I may even leave here. So we're we're getting shifted. And middle America, everybody is getting shifted. Yeah. So you, you know, Tony, it. you bring up an interesting point that I actually haven't really heard anyone else talk about, that maybe there is some tie because it's almost uh, you know, inconceivable how a president of America would allow what has been clearly an invasion uh, and a willful invasion of millions of people that are unvetted in every shape or form to just come into this country and say, hey, come on, charge, come on in, and then put them up in hotels, kick out veterans, uh, put them by schools, um, to go to all this effort where you're really just degrading uh, cities and and our border, you know, and the sovereignty of our country and the security of our country uh, maybe there is some grand tie or there's some grand scheme or there's some money issue. I mean, we don't know that, of course. That's just a supposition. But who knows? In the middle of all these things, it's almost inconceivable that this would happen, especially by someone who's supposed to be the commander in chief of this country. So who knows? You may be on to something, Tony. I'm going to keep my eyes and ears open for that because who knows where the trail leads and where Jim Jordan, all of that stuff leads. Uh, really, really interesting. Tony, thank you. Let's go to Roy, line five. Roy, your thoughts. Hello. Thank you for the call. I'll make it quick because I have other calls. I'm a, uh, I'm a veteran of the 82nd Airborne during the Vietnam era. Oh, thank now, you. Welcome home. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, I was astounded by the fact that somebody had the brains to, say, put them on Rockers Island. In addition to that, I'm horrified that my two grandchildren, nine years old and 12 years old, may be sharing their gymnasiums on Staten Island with these people. That's disgusting. However, I'll make it real quick. There's at least 20 military bases in the country that are abandoned right now. Why not put them there? All they have to do is turn the water on and electricity, and that's it. Open the mess halls up. And that's they can, a great if they idea. Like if they don't like the food, they can throw it out and eat nothing. Right. You, you know what? <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's a great idea, Roy. Um, somebody else, I think it was yesterday here on the show, uh, one of you guys who called in suggested, Roy, some of these aircraft carriers. 
Uh, and I thought that was interesting, too, because a lot of them are just sort of docked and they have all those rooms. And the bases, you brought up, how many did you say bases you think are abandoned around? There's at least 20 bases that are not being used across the country. I hope somebody hears me say this and says, well, it's falling on deaf ears because they're going to just keep doing what they're doing until we get Trump back. You know what? That is a great idea. And we'll try to suggest that to some folks uh, who are the decision makers. That's a great idea. Roy, thank you. And by the way, thank you also for your incredible, great service. I love the 82nd Airborne. Uh, they are the best of the best. And um, and for your service to this country. Roy, thank you. Have a good night, Roy. Thank you so much. Uh, let's go to Christine, line one. Christine, your thoughts. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I've been listening to what everybody has been saying, and there's been suggestions that people should demonstrate in front of the mayors, blah, blah, blah. They're afraid because of the phony insurrection. When people went to protest in Washington, they were arrested. We didn't even know what happened to them. If they'd been thrown in jail, they didn't go to trial. Uh, they had a guy dressed up as a shaman. Yes. And, uh, he was... And I know what a shaman is. A shaman is a person who heals the community. Well, and also he that didn't... guy, by the way, that shaman has been in solitary, too, which is the craziest thing. By the way, Christine, if you were a protester during the Summer of Love, you'd get off scot-free. You know what? There's the irony. I, I know. And I heard they have a 40% shortage of nurses now. As you, I was on the air before, and they closed a lot of hospitals, St. Vincent's, Beth Israel. And these people that are attacking, like the poor woman who lost her vision, these are people who are psychotic, and they're re- responding to what they call internal stimuli, auditory hallucinations, and they are very dangerous. They're sick. They're not on medication. The family of this guy that was taken down by the Marine, if they care about him so much, why didn't they have him on medication? Yeah, and apparently, by the way, he was on drugs, too, not not at prescribed medication. It sounds like he was on a lot, and he may have been on prescribed. You know, you know. by the way, Christine, and we are going to be talking about that, too. I'm glad you brought it up because we're still waiting to hear the autopsy related to Jordan Neely. We're still waiting on the toxicology, which would show what was in his system. Um, was there prescription drugs like you brought up? Uh, was there uh, potentially illegal drugs? We know one of his relatives at one point said that Jordan Neely uh, had been on uh, K2, which is a synthetic hallucinogenic, which makes people sort of go crazy um, and could have explained. We don't know if he was on it at that day or not, but it could explain, you know, him kind of uh, acting like he was Superman and going crazy and and uh, turbocharge and, and screaming and shouting at everybody and certainly could have impacted the way he he was acting. Um, so all of that needs to be looked into um, extremely, extremely. You, br- you bring up some really powerful points. Christine, thank you very much. We're going to continue your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
are very concerned about migrants, of course, who have not been vetted by the U.S. government. There's no way to check their criminal history in foreign countries, especially if you say even the best of abilities that the Biden administration's doing it, and I'm being facetious. They're like, come on in and, okay, you're claiming asylum. We'll give you a court date. Most of the earliest court dates that have been released recently are 2027 to 2030. Guess what, guys? It's 2023. That's a long time till they can get lost in America and 99% of them basically never show up to court because why would they in 2027 or 2030 when they see that we're not taking it seriously? We, the Biden administration, I mean. Uh, This is what a concerned parent in New York had to say about the fact that kids are being placed in gyms uh, that are being placed in schools next to gyms where migrants, again, mostly adult males, will be housed. Our children deserve to have the academics up to par, you understand? How are we going to do that when our kids is having to worry about who they around and we're going to get hurt and our teachers as well are having to suffer because now they're stuck in a position where they can't even help our kids get help. Yeah, they are downright angry and saying, why should the kids have to suffer? Kids already went through COVID and all the problems. And now they're getting, first of all, having migrants housed in a gym. Second of all, they won't be able to use the gym, the kids, you know. So, you know, think about, A, all the issues with migrants right there from a security standpoint. And second of all, think about also the fact that now they won't be able to use it for athletics, to do sports. It's hard enough being a kid these days and you're going to take the gym away from them. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Evelyn, line one. Evelyn, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. How are you? I'm good. What do you think of all this and the way that this is being handled by New York City and by America? It's completely wrong, obviously. Um, I just want to let you know that I happen to be a minority, and I came here through my parents legally, and we love America. We uh, I had unfortunately we were separated for two years because legally we needed to come here to the states. Um, but we love America. But these Im- these immigrants are coming illegally and they're using our system. They're using our finances, our money, everything. Um, our, you know, if you if you think that you know it stops at Brooklyn and Staten Island, we're all wrong. It's going to go to Long Island. I live in Long Island. Love this place, and it's it's headed in our direction. And I think we all need to wake up America and and smell the coffee and just uh, we need to start protesting somehow. Um, I agree. By the the way, real quick, where did you come from? Uh, I'm Filipino. Oh, okay, Um, Beautiful. Beautiful. And real quick. Go ahead, Evelyn. So I have a question for you, Rita. Um, Is there a way to sue um, the, you know, federal government or the state government, somebody? This is a whole thing about bringing these my, uh, uh, immigrants to the um, schools. Isn't that illegal? That's a great point. It's tough to sue the city or the government, though. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor our great veterans and also their families, a beautiful story 
coming from Hancock County, Indiana, where a 94-year-old man, John Powell, who is a local World War II veteran there, uh, had the ride of a lifetime as a police escort led a procession of motorcycles and one very snazzy vintage car to his birthday party at the Elks Club, and it happened this week. A 94-year-old pal rode inside the 1948 Roadster Convertible, which was owned and driven by a local city councilman, George Plazinski. It sounds like a good Polish name, who met Powell at one of the veterans' previous birthday parties at a local brewery. And he asked me if I'd come pick him up for his 95th birthday. So, of course, I said yes. And you do what you can when someone is turning 95, said the councilman Plazinski. Well, also the Hancock County Sheriff led the police escort with Plazinski escorting the veteran in his beautiful antique convertible. And Powell spent the drive smiling at well-wishers who waved and honked along the way. I love this. And also talking to everybody in the vehicle about his lifelong fascination with cars, including a 30-year career working for Volkswagen. Now, when they arrived at the Elks Club, the driveway was lined with American flags and a number of other vintage cars, everybody singing, God bless America. Powell apparently shook his hand of the mayor and also thanked everybody and said he is forever grateful that this is wonderful. There are no words to describe what a great birthday gift this has been and what a beautiful way for the town and the area there to salute this great hero from our greatest generation, 94 years old, John Powell. Well, we are talking about the Marine who was on the subway, of course, when Jordan Neely started threatening other passengers, acting clearly erratic and shouting and saying, I'm prepared to die and I don't care if I spend the rest of my life in jail. He also threw things at other passengers. Now the Marine, as we know, has been charged with manslaughter. And by the way, his defense fund is over $2.5 million, mostly small donations from Americans around the world, helping to fund his defense because it's going to be lengthy. He's going to have to fight criminal charges. He will also have to fight civil charges, I'm sure, that are coming down the pike. And now a number of other, sadly, subway victims are coming to the defense of the Marine. They're saying, obviously, it is terrible. It's tragic what happened to Jordan Neely, the homeless man who had mental illness. Um, Obviously, he needed help. There is no question. He was on, what, uh, supposedly the top 50 list of New York in Manhattan of people who need help. Um, But yet, in the middle of all of that, uh, they also say that they wish there was a good Samaritan like This guy, Daniel Penny, around who was there when the other victims and the other people on that subway were getting harassed. The other passengers were getting harassed left and right. And the latest person is Elizabeth Gomes. She is an airport employee who, about seven months ago, she was slammed up against the wall, thrown to the ground at a subway station in the morning of September 20th. It happened around 5 o'clock in the morning or so. A repeat offender, a guy with a violent past and mental history, his name was Wahid Foster, 41 years old, kept kicking and beating her, was punching her and kicking her in the face and threw out her body as she laid on the ground. 
the video went viral because it was just so horrific. And it just sadly so epitomized, sadly, what was going on in New York. And now Elizabeth Gomes is talking about what she endured that terrible day and how it still lives with her now seven months later. This is some of what she had to say last night. My life has changed a whole lot. I suffer a lot of anxiety. I still get a lot of pains. You know, in the nighttime, I still don't see too clear. I mean, a lot, a lot has really changed in my life. I don't even feel like I'm the same person that I was seven months ago after that attack. And Elizabeth Gomes also said she wishes there was a good Samaritan like Maureen Daniel Penny around. Maybe she wouldn't have gotten the beatdown that had taken, taken the vision of her left eye. She still cannot see out of one of her eyes. Can you imagine that? How horrific and how horrible that is? Here's what she had to say. I mean, I could have only imagined what Mr. Penny felt because that's the fear that I felt. It's just that I didn't know no kind of tactic or how to help myself. You understand? But I could imagine how he felt hearing somebody talking like that. You know, it's a fearful thing because it's happening every day and... We can't really rely on the police officers. It takes them a while to come. I got a 10-minute beat down, and the, it still took the police about 15 to 20 minutes before they actually came to my help. So imagine what could have happened between that time if somebody didn't show up or if he didn't feel like that was good enough, like he felt good about himself after he walked away. You know, it's sad that he actually even got time to walk away. Yeah, he walked away kind of casually, too. He walked away, came back and beat her some more, And then just kind of casually walked away, like, eh, all in a day's work. It is unbelievable when you see the footage. And here is Elizabeth Gomes, again, talking a little bit more. This is with Laura Ingram on Fox News last night. And Laura asked the question, does race have anything to do with the way her case was handled? Take a listen. Do you believe if your attacker was not a minority, not black, and he had been white, that this would have gotten more attention, what happened to you? I believe so. Because, you know, I was so sad to see that nobody didn't really, you know, protest on my behalf, where it probably would have changed a lot of things till to this day. Because what it took someone that they had to die. What about the people that have, you know, stuff that they have to go through everyday life now? with injuries that sustained because of reckless behavior like this that could have been prevented from the city if they would have really listened and actually offer these people the help that they're supposed to instead of worrying about other things like homeless shelters and all these. Like, that's not the problem because they don't even want to stay in those places because they're attacking each other in those places. So they come out there and they attack people like me and other people who's going to work innocently who know they can't really defend themselves because I'm pretty sure they know how the system works. They've been in in and out of it so much that they know what they could do and what they can't do. And they indeed have been part of the revolving door. And it's not just New York, everybody. Uh, This was really sad today. Again, I mentioned it's National Police Week. And today, a beautiful young Chicago police officer was laid to rest. I was watching the funeral, actually, for quite a bit today because it's just emotional. Um, and to see the men and women in blue there in Chicago coming out for Ariana Preston. She is a three-year veteran of the Chicago Police Department. And she was off duty. She was in her car. Four teens who were trying to rob people. She was in her uniform So they knew it was a police officer, but she was getting home from work 
at the time, and four teens who were on a rampage robbing people because they wanted money to pay for a barbecue. Can you believe this? So they were going on a rampage, a crime rampage around Chicago, came upon her and killed her at 1.40 in the morning. Uh, she was found uh, with gunshot wounds all over her body, and she was near her home on her way home, again, wearing her uniform. And today there was this sea of police officers honoring her and also talking about the frustration with the revolving door of justice that is letting many people, by the way, that have criminal records like Jordan Neely, who was on that New York City subway, continue to get released. Listen to Darren Porcher. He's a former member of the NYPD. This is what he says is happening, sadly, in big cities, particularly Democratic-run cities in America. This is a uniformed police officer. Granted, she was off duty, but at the same token, she was still supporting and defending the citizens of that city of Chicago. There are no um, there are no red lines in play in that city, and as a result, we have criminals that feel as if they can act with impunity. I don't think that this is going to be the change uh, the change status. Mm-hmm. I think that there's going to be a lot more of this happening moving forward, and my heart goes out to not just the officer but the citizens of Chicago because they're under siege based on the failed policies of their elected officials. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, the new mayor, you know, who is uh, the incoming mayor there in Chicago? Boy, he's to the left of the left of Lori Lightfoot. So the re- I don't know why they voted him in uh, at a time where crime is skyrocketing in Chicago. Also, by the way, in New York, on the New York Transit, crime is up. New York Transit crime year to date of 53%. I would say it's a problem and people have a reason to be scared on New York City subways and streets across this America. If police officers don't feel safe, who is going to feel safe? My goodness. And by the way, this to me is also outrageous. Rashida Tlaib and Congresswoman Cori Bush, Rashida Tlaib, Democrat of Michigan, Congresswoman Cori Bush, Democrat of Missouri, they happen to be Two lawmakers, the only two lawmakers, to vote against a resolution this week. Get this. It was a resolution that recognized law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty. You would think that would be a non-controversial, you know, resolution. Who would vote against honoring police officers killed in the line of duty? You're trying to get them defunded, and now you don't even want them honored after they've been slain? To me, this is like the epitome of just disgusting. It is outrageous. You heard it right. Two congresspeople from the Democratic Party, Cori Bush and Rashida Tlaib, voted against a resolution honoring, honoring officers killed on the job. That, to me, is shameful. It was the vote was 413 to 2. And those two members of the squad... I hope they never have to call 911 because that to me is unbelievable. But at least you know where they stand and they clearly do not stand with law enforcement. That is insane. Here's a little bit more of Darren Porcher talking about Congress people like the two I just mentioned. 
the progressive wing of the Democratic Party has hijacked a lot of the moderates and they've gone so far left that they don't have a genuine understanding of the rubber that meets the road in these Democratic cities. And when you look at the quantitative statistics, they experience an inordinately high amount of crime in comparison to the Republican-controlled districts. And it begs the question of, it's simple math. One plus one equals two. Understand you have to have police in a position of fortification to allow these citizens a level of comfort and safety. Yeah, you bet. And sadly, those kind of policies pushing to defund the police and not even honoring them after they have been slain on duty is part of the problem that has contributed to the degradation of America. And every community in this country deserves to be safe and wants to have police officers, especially if you're a good person. You want to see a cop. If things are bad when you see a cop, you're like, oh, God, thank goodness. You know, you're here. And for these squad members to perpetuate this nonsense that they shouldn't even honor slain law enforcement officers, to me, is just it's like it's like we're on another planet with these individuals. This, to me, needs to be condemned, and the Democrats, the other Democrats, need to condemn the actions of these two. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ, line five. BJ, your thoughts about all this, my friend. Hey, Rita. Trump was right. They should have, the squad, all of those demo commies that uh, want to defund the police, they should have left the country. They don't like it here. They should just pack a bag and go to communist Cuba or China or someplace where they'd be, you know, they'd feel at ease. This is uh, part of a larger thing, though, what I see here uh, with this uh, complete uh, stripping down of the police and tying their, their hands behind their back. This poor woman that got attacked on her way to a little subsistence job, she loses an eyeball. Uh, uh, getting a beat down. The cops are around for 20 minutes. You can't. You have to ask yourself, where are the cops in a major federal hub? That's just not the city subway. That's the. That's the, where the Long Island Railroad connects. I mean, there should be more than one policeman around, and she had to wait 20 minutes for a response. This is part of a larger Democrat evil scheme to make the cities, uh, the blue cities and the blue states, and all of these so-called sanctuary places unlivable so that they can bring in low-rent, low-third-world uh, uh, types into the country and the repl- and to, to replace us all. And, yes, I'm saying it. This is the replacement theory at work. You're, well, you got uh, another uh, by, by the way, boy, is that a destructive replacement theory. That, you know, I, I'm not sure uh, if it's the re- replacement or the outvote theory. I really do believe a lot of it is – You know, let's bring them in. And we were talking in the last, you know, section about migrants, for example. I think one day we're going to hear somehow the Biden administration is going to say, you know what, we're going to make them all legal um, and maybe try to cut some deal with the Republicans. We'll seal the border now, finally, if we can make all, you know, at that point, 10 million uh, illegals legal tomorrow. Uh, And guess who they'll be voting for? Surprise, surprise. Um, And then also, as you're talking about with criminals, it's like this degrading of the society. They I mean, you have to be a moron to not figure out that sending somebody out who has repeat offenses 
and has mental illness in many cases. Um, let's talk about the Elizabeth Gohm case. Let's talk about also the Jordan Neely case. That is a formula for disaster for the individual and even bigger for society at large. Uh, it is it is stunning. Real quick, BJ, I'll give you the last word. It is by design. It is not by accident. It is not uh, because of naive uh, pie-in-the-sky social justice warriors. They know exactly what they're doing. They want to remain in office forever. This guy, Adams, should be recalled. He's the worst of the worst. He's a thug. He's a racist. Uh, he's made no he's made no effort to hide it. Uh, all of these people uh, uh, on the blue side, they are hardcore communists. They're not Democrats. These are socialists, neo-Marxists that want to dest- – they really don't like the America that you and I uh, live in. They want it a very different place without borders, without language, and without any culture to speak of. That is a very disconcerting uh, situation, clearly. And I will say, um, BJ, also that – I mean, I do believe that Adams, at least, look, he has been speaking out. He's been trying to at least get the attention of the White House. And the White House clearly isn't even happy with him for even making some comments and criticizing their plan and criticizing the lack of funding uh, that he's been getting. Um, At least he's doing that. Most Democrats are crickets, not saying anything. So I will give him at least credit for that. But I wish he would do a heck of a lot more because... Uh, Boy, are we in a dire strait. We're going to continue your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the revolving door of justice in America and also other subway attack victims coming to the defense of Good Samaritan Daniel Penny. By the way, I was just looking at his legal defense fund. It has raised a $2,600,000. And it's mostly from individuals around the country. It's like $5 here, $10 here. Uh, it shows that there is big grassroots support for the former Marine who stepped in trying to save other passengers from Jordan Neely that day. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dom on line eight. Dom, your thoughts? Yeah, Rita, you know, my my condolences to the family of the off-duty police officer murdered in Chicago. Oh, it's so heartbreaking. And and Dom, I just want to say one thing. Whenever you watch these police funerals, I have a lump in my throat whenever I see them just to see all the men and women in blue and the heartache that they all go through because it's family. It's not a fellow officer. It's family to them. Yep. I, I just came back from our school's commencement today and heard the story from our student speaker who came from homelessness and a lot of hardship to go to school, become a police officer. Oh, I, I was moved to tears just hearing that. Beautiful. You know, Joe, Joe Biden can pass an executive order to house all the mentally disabled people on cruise ships in New York, New Jersey, and all-you-can-eat buffets, best medical attention money can buy until they're all cured, and he can pay for all of it with the leftover COVID funds and hold all his fundraisers on these cruise ships for his 2024 campaign. Hey, there you go. There you, Dom, you got it all solved, my friend. I love you. Have a great night, Dom. We can always get some good zingers from you. Let's go to Alex, line seven. Alex, your thoughts. 
Hey, thanks for taking the call. By the way, you, you were giving credit to Mayor Eric Adams, and I understand why people are saying that, you know, he's calling out the Biden administration and he's calling out, you know, Kathy Hochul and, and all those people that aren't fighting crime. The thing with Mayor Eric Adams is that he ran on fighting crime, and it seems like to begin with, he didn't have a plan, which is despicable. Running, if you run for mayor on fighting crime, and you don't have a plan. Then you know you're, you're you're really treating the people of New York very unfairly. But I wanted to say I have a solution to the problem. I heard uh, with the train issue, I heard that the the MTA lost from people evading the the, the fear to get on the train. They lost in the last year 285 million dollars from people not paying. So here's what I think we should do: we should get at every train station two cops. Right. It would cost us not more than 60 million dollars. And then we'd get back every year, 285 million dollars because of the people paying um, because the cops are going to be over there. And the cops will also be able to secure the subway stations and we won't have all of these problems. Plus, we'll be getting a profit of 200 million dollars or, so, or something along those numbers That's every an, year. Alex, you know what? That's an interesting idea. Uh, more cops um, and also maybe some more cameras, too. We could use both of those things. But that's not a bad idea. Most importantly, we gotta support our police and we gotta feel safe. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.